Hey everyone, Al here. Before we start this episode, I want to apologize a bit. As I was editing the episode, I noticed that the sound quality from my voice for some reason seemed to be a little low. I don't think it's that low. I don't think it's a problem. It didn't sound like to me when I was editing like there'd be a problem hearing me, but I'm definitely way lower than I should be. I don't know what it is. Now, when Jason and I did this episode, due to time limits and going over them, we had to actually stop recording and come back another day and finish up. And the sound for that one was a lot better, so I don't know what the hell was going on that first time. In case it sounds a little low to you, it was. Hopefully it won't happen again, and hopefully I'm right and it's not so low you can't hear. Alright, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy. Hello, welcome back to Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano, and today we have a new guest host joining us. Hello, Jason. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Jason, what's up, man? Not much. Thanks so much for having me on. It's been a while since we've talked. In case anyone's wondering what you're talking about since we you haven't been on before. Yes, yeah, so from? I... Yes, well, I'm I'm from Texas, but I also have a podcast called uh, the Podcast that Goes Snicked, and it's all about Wolverine and old appearances, current appearances, anything in between, movie appearances, um, and of course, you've been on before, and I'll have you on again once I get my flashbacks back going. We've kind of been on hiatus with the the flashbacks, but uh, we'll get that going again pretty soon in the new year. So I was on a show before. I did one of the flashback Wolverine episodes where we talked about, was it issues 11 to 16, I think, of the Wolverine ongoing? Yeah, yeah, we did the Gehenna Stone, right? Yes. Yep. And I'll put a link into the uh, show notes for that. Awesome. So they can go right to that besides the regular podcast. Sounds good. But yeah, I know you haven't done the flashbacks. I've been checking because I am nowhere near current <laughs> on the X stuff, so I haven't listened to those ones. I'm just listening. Right now, I'm just going through the flashback ones. I'm like, okay, no new one yet. Right. <laughs> I've gone back right now. I'm on Inferno. Oh, nice. Nice. That's a fun one. Yeah, except I'm listening backwards. I wasn't paying attention. So I saw Inferno Aftermath, and I went, oh, okay. Oh, there's Inferno. And then after I went to them, I went, oh, there's pre-Inferno. All right. Now I'm going to listen to that one. That's funny. Plus, it's one of the few times on a podcast I've heard Power Pack talked about. Yeah. I was happy about that. Yeah, it was it was fun. I never really read it growing up, but it's a, it's a fun little book. It wasn't the great. That wasn't the greatest era for it. The earlier issues are the best part, obviously. Oh, I, I'm sure. Yeah. And then there's a few scattered little story arcs here and there that are good afterwards. Right. But up to like the mutant. Although I guess you would have covered them too with the mutant massacre. Yeah, because they were part of that. Yep. All right. For sure. Well, today we have Avengers 135. Which does have a brief Thanos appearance. But what the hell? We're going to do it again. 
It's brief, but it's good. Yeah. We're going to tell you all about that right now, so you have an idea what the hell's going on, and then we're going to try and figure out what the hell's going on, because <laughs> you can't just read this quickly and know what the hell's going on. No, no. So, here we go. Okay, strap in, people. This is going to be a fun synopsis. The Avengers, number 135, The Torch is Passed. Written by Steve Englehart, penciled by George Tusca, inked by Frank Chiaramonte, colorist is George Rousseau, or George Rousseau, I've heard both ways, letter by John Costanza, edited by Len Wein, cover art credited to Dan Crespi, Al Milgram, John Romita Sr., and Jim Starlin, cover dated May 1975, on sale date was February 18th. 1975, and an original cover price of 25 cents. The Vision has been sent back in time, and in phantom form has been observing the life of the original android Human Torch. The Torch is now dead, his body lying in an abandoned lab of the Mad Thinker. When Ultron 5 bursts through the wall, Ultron is there to take the body, but is interrupted by Quasimodo, the living computer, who is going insane, if a computer can do that. With loneliness, Ultron 5 does not care to help, but he's willing to tell Quasimodo his origin. Ultron was created by Hank Pym, also known as Ant-Man, Giant-Man, Goliath, Yellowjacket, and I think a few other names. But Ultron 1, which is the original model, came to life and started talking even without Pym turning it on. Ultron was also crazy from the beginning. He tried to kill his creator, and when he had Pym down, instead of killing him, decided to just make Pym forget he had even created Yultron and move. Home alone, Yultron partied, robot style, and made himself a better body, eventually calling himself Yultron 5. Why 5? We get to that in the discussion. Don't worry. Wanting an android of his own for his revenge plans, he finds the Mad Thinker, and after some haggling, the Thinker offers him the body of the original Human Torch. Which brings us back to the beginning of this issue. Yultron takes the body of the torch, and using his hypno-beam, makes Quasimodo forget he was ever even there. Back in the present, and when the comic came out of 1975, in Vietnam, the rest of the Avengers, Thor, Hawkeye, Iron Man, and Mantis, are there along with Libra, who is a member of the criminal cartel called Zodiac, and also Mantis' father, and the ghost, I think, of the Avenger, Swordsman. The swordsman tells them that they are there for the coming of the Celestial Madonna. At that moment, a spaceship arrives, bringing Moondragon. We know her. They apparently had called for Captain Marvel in an earlier issue, but I guess he was busy because she came in his place. The swordsman ghost feels that the most useful thing that Moondragon can do now is tell everyone her origin. But we already know that because we did that in an earlier episode, so we can skip it, right? Okay, we'll do it quickly. She tells them how Thanos which is the whole reason we're doing this issue in this podcast, killed her parents while he was on a scouting mission on Earth, but she survived. She was taken in by Mentor and lived on Titan, being raised by the priests of the Shaolong Monastery. Mantis is shocked because she feels that Moondragon's origin is eerily similar to her own. In the past, the ghostly specter version of the Vision has been watching Yultron work on the Torch's body for six months, with no luck. So Yultron decides to seek out the Torch's creator, Professor Phineas T. Horton, kidnap him, and force him to work on the android. This plan actually works, 
and they spent a few more months until the body is finally ready to go live in September of 1968. Yeah, they actually used years here. Again, we get to that in the discussion. Jumping back into the present, the Avengers and pals see Immortus show up. You know, the supervillain. But they're all happy to see him. We don't get any time to wonder about that, though, because next we go all the way around the world to Avengers Mansion. Jarvis is there bringing food to the Scarlet Witch and her magic teacher, Agatha Harkness. Before he can enter the witch's room, however, he hears malevolent laughter, and when he enters, the room is empty. We aren't going to learn anything more about that this issue, so neither will you. Sorry. Back in the past, again, the work that Professor Horton and Yuletron have been doing has succeeded. The android body rises, and it now looks like the Vision. But despite Yoltron's order to wipe the mind, the professor didn't do that. So the original Human Torch's mind is still alive, but in this new body. This Torch Vision guy is having a bit of a freakout and starts smashing up the lab. So Yoltron runs away, but not before killing the professor. Coming to his senses, the Torch Vision goes after Yoltron, but loses, and Yoltron wipes his mind. Giving, and then gives him the brain patterns of Simon Williams, a.k.a. Wonder Man. And thus, the Vision was born. Our ghostly phantom Vision, the time-traveling one, who has been watching all this, now knows where he comes from, and he starts to head back to the present. But instead, he's lost in time. This issue was a part of the Avengers Celestial Madonna epic storyline. It's actually near the end of it. Now, I know last time we had a cameo by Thanos or Adam Warlock that was in the end of an epic storyline, uh, The Avengers Defenders War. We covered the whole thing. We're not doing that this time. No particular reason, I just don't feel like doing this one. Not that I have an issue with it, but just not going to do it. But, the podcast Back to the Bins, and if you go back and listen to last episode again, which you really should, we put their promo in there. They have a little spin-off show that's also done on their main feed called Avengers Spotlight. And for the last several episodes, they've been covering the Avengers Celestial Madonna storyline. So if you want to know more about what the hell is going on here, putting a link in the show notes, go listen to those episodes. All right, speaking of promos, we're going to do a promo here, and then we're going to get into the actual discussion of this issue. Anyone else got a headache? Guys, we finally developed our time machine. Should we use it to go back and see how Stonehenge was built? Or become friends with Hitler and convince him to stay in art school? Or we could go back in time and get the comic books we missed. Yeah! yeah! The Comic Book Time Machine. A journey back in time to explore comic books. Good and bad. Whether from seven decades ago or seven days ago. Join our journey at comicbooktimemachine.com. And we're back, and I probably played a promo, too, after the synopsis, so. We got Avengers 135, with, um, let's start with the cover. Yoltron is wrestling Vision, and we have the heads of Thor, Mantis, <laughs> and Nose Armor Iron Man. Stuff. Yeah! <laughs> yeah, nothing like some good floating heads to, uh, let you know that there could have been something else on the cover. <laughs> I love the nose Iron Man. That's hilarious. Yeah, he's very, very angry. And you can see the eyeballs, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're all pretty mad. Thor has a pretty good look at consternation. 
Uh, Mantis, I guess, is more... It's like an angry shock. Um, but yeah. Now, I really think, though, you know, if they made the, the Ultron chokehold on Vision a little bit bigger, I think maybe it could have been a little bit cooler cover. Yeah, and maybe instead... Of, actually, I'm just thinking, because it is a chokehold on them, have that a little bigger. Maybe just have one of them standing on the side ready to tag in. Right? <laughs> Because, I mean, it does look like a wrestling move he's pulling on him. It, it definitely does. And that's just the first of many ways that Ultron's going to crack me up in this issue. I'm waiting for Thor to come out with the steel chair or the steel clipboard. <laughs> the steel something. So It's always steel. Yeah. And I can see a, rest, I can see a modern day wrestler dressing like Vision. I can, I can see that. That could work. Yeah. Maybe. Instead of Sting, you know, Sting had red and white face paint for a little while, so just do red face paint and get some yellow cape. There you go. All right, let's dive in here to The Torch is Past. Crump. (laughs) (laughs) That's part of the title, right? (laughs) The Torch is Past, Crump. Some good torch onomatopoeia. Um... (laughs) Now, I don't know. Have you, when you now you told me before we started recording, you've read like the last ten issues. Of it. Yeah, I'm leading up to it. I kept, you know, I looked at it and kind of looked at what was before it, and I just kind of kept backing up as I would read stuff. I'd be like, oh, and then reference something. I'd be like, I want to read that, and so I'd go back a few more issues. And yeah, I ended up right around one twenty five, one twenty six, somewhere in there. And um, yeah, so I, I read up, read the whole celestial Madonna. Like a virgin, um, you know, get ready for that. <laughs> no, uh, um, no, I prefer the uh, the Weird Al version, like a surgeon, but um, and not just because it's your namesake. It's just uh, I like that, that one too. Yeah, that video gives me very fond childhood memories. I used to love watching. Then my favorite part was when uh, Weird Al's in the scrubs doing sexy poses on the gurney. <laughs> oh, that's right, I forgot about that. I've not seen that in years. I forgot all about that. Holy crap. Yeah. But speaking of sexy poses on a gurney, we have the uh, comatose or, I guess, defunct body of the original Human Torch way in there. And now, this is what I wanted to ask you. On those issues, how much did you pay attention to that little uh, box at the top that says, you know, and then there came a day, a day like any other? Because there's something on here I don't remember always seeing. Because this is what it's... If you look what it says. And there came a day... A day unlike any other when Earth's Mightiest Heroes and Heroines. They usually just said Earth's Mightiest Heroes. And I'm just wondering, how far back did they add in Heroines? And I'm also wondering when that got taken out. I don't know. Or did I Um, not pay attention? Has that always been there? I don't know. I did not pay attention. Um, I read it in this one, but I didn't read it in the other ones. I just kind of glossed over it. I figured I'd read it once while I read it again. Oh, yeah. That's why I (laughs) I didn't think anyone, you know, you were paying attention. I mean, half the time you barely look at that. Once you've read it one time before, you don't bother looking right. at it again. Yeah. I was like, wow. They just included, like, yeah, we're including everybody. <laughs> and this is 70, That's what, cool, 74, though. 74, 75, 75. Yeah, 75. Yeah. But yeah, so Yoltron is smashing into the building where the body of the original human, tor- human torch is kept. And we have the ghost vision watching him. Yeah, so do you know what, what's going on with ghost vision? I have an idea here. I think he was sent back in time. He was sent back in time by Immortus to learn his uh, origins. Yes. 
And he's got that little magic talking stick that guides him. Yeah, because up until now, all we knew is he, hey, he had some parts in him that were like vintage '40s era. Right. Because I think that's uh, that was discovered by Ant Man when he went inside him during the Kree Scroll War. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, Ant Man went inside him to do some repair in like '92, '93. Oh, wow. Okay, was, so Neil, quite a ways back. Yeah, in Neil Adams' artwork, so it was beautiful. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I can't wait to get there. That'll be fun. They tell us that this is taking place in 1967. Yep, we've uh, we've gone through the the 40s and the 50s to see what the Human Torch was doing. The original Human Torch, of course, not Johnny Storm. Yeah. And we've kind of been seeing his history the last couple issues, and now we're caught up to when Ultron comes in to create Vision. Yeah, so Ultron breaks in because he wants the body. He also sees Quasimodo, the living computer, <laughs> which is this and, giant computer with a view screen with this, like, deformed face that looks like the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, well, breeded with the Lorax. Yeah. My, one of my favorite parts is, you know, we have classic old-school Ultron, where he has the, uh, I, I mean, I guess he came first, so the Mausers from Turtles is a derivative of him, but that's always a classic look with the kind of the choppy jaw and I, know, the triangle eyes. I never even thought about that. You're right. It does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they were huge comic fans. I mean, the whole thing with right. Turtles Origin was basically that was supposed to be the canister that hit Daredevil in the face and made him <laughs> So it would make sense that they would take stuff from other comics. Right, yeah. So, wait, so Vision's here. Vision is time-traveled in the past to see his origin. And his origin involves Yultron breaking in to take the body of the Human Torch, but he finds Quasimodo. And so what he does is tell Quasimodo his origin. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a double origin. So a like an origin, yeah, an origin inside an origin. Origin um, sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> so we have a flashback. Inside the time travel, about how Hank Pym created him, and apparently he was yeah. really psychotic. Apparently so, but there's you know there's a there's a line here where um, Hank Pym talks about that he and Dragon Man quote unquote tore up the lab, and I want a Marvel universe and my heroes live and breathe in a world where all of Hank Pym's anger issues that he experiences over the years are due to the fact that he didn't have enough courage to come out of the closet and admit his affair with Dragon Man. <laughs> well, Prejudice is pretty that... high back in the 60s for things like, you know, between human-dragon relations. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Sorry, human, human synthetic-dragon relations. Right, true, Dragon true. Dragon Man's a creature. I mean, not even a creature. Dragon Man was, you know, android or whatever. And I'm noticing something here. There should... There, I, I'm assuming this is like a comic book law. If you are a super genius and you create a robot, the robot will automatically be the opposite of whatever <laughs> viewpoint you have. Because Hank Pym creates right. Ultron, and meanwhile, all like Red Tornado is created by evil mad scientists. Right, right, right. So if you're a mad scientist, don't make a robot. It's going to be a good guy. <laughs> and if you're good, don't make a robot because it's going to be evil. It's the, the law of robotics. Uh, yeah, that's the fourth law. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, has there been a robot that's been created that was actually, you know, a major character that was 
like you know Yotron or Red Tornado, let's say, that actually was on the side of it was supposed to be on. Um, I think of the robot characters, and I can't think of any. Man, I don't know. I mean, even the Human Torch, the original one, he was the guy was created him kind of was out of greed, and he becomes altruistic. Yeah, yeah. After serving some time with the mob. Yeah, that was an accident. He didn't realize. Right, that. right, right. He didn't know. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a that's a really good question. I can't. I mean, even like going back to Frank. I mean, and really, that's what it's all based on, right? Kind of going back to Frankenstein. Oh yeah. Um, the idea that you can't you can't control what you create. I think I think one of the easiest ways to show a lack of control is to show it kind of rebelling against your own nature. So, I think it's a, probably a pretty pretty common trope yeah i mean even dragon man was only did stuff really when he was forced to i mean when other than his own devices power pack adopted him for a couple issues (laughs) right puppy and he eventually became part of like intelligent and he's a good guy he's right he was part of that ff series well even in his first appearance doesn't he once they kind of lose control doesn't he just kind of fly off i mean like i'm out of here guys (laughs) yeah he really was just kind of like a big animal reacting to noise and pain yeah, hey, if anyone's listening, come on, start writing in. Let me know. And yeah, tell me the robots that don't go with this. Yeah, give us the uh, the uh, trope breaker. Tell us where this stops. Anyway, so Yultron is doing his flashback about how he beats up his daddy. Mm-hmm. He calls him Dada. His first words are Dada. He does. Yeah. No, I, I will. I will be very forthcoming here. I have always heard a lot of good things. This is kind of my first real foray into Sting, Steve Englehart. But he's not not very subtle in these issues. <laughs> no. Like, he doesn't refer or infer like this This robot wants to destroy his master. He actually says on the page, I have an Oedipal complex. <laughs> I know. So. Which they did, I guess they did take later on and go, well, he has an Oedipal complex. He's got to make a wife out of his mother. Right, and gonna go after Janet, right? And yeah. That's how we get Jacosta. True. Yeah. Who was created by an evil robot, and she ended up being an Avenger. <laughs> Boom. Mic drop. <laughs> so I love it how he just changes his mind, though. I was going to kill you, but now that I have you down, I'm gonna decide. Nah, I'm just gonna make you forget. Wait, this makes no sense. Here's it. I could have killed you. I gotta do robot voice. <clears throat> right. I could have killed you, you but in the last moment, I have gained enough wisdom to see a better, subtler fate for you. So you shall forget this incident and abandon this dwelling forever. That's better. <laughs> you want to kill somebody, but instead of killing, I want to make you forget I exist and just go away. Right, and you can't live here anymore. <laughs> That's a better you gotta, option. <laughs> oh man, that's just yeah. a bad robot. Well, you know, he hasn't evolved yet. He's still a uh, baby robot. True, he is kind of. Fu- I love the way he looks back here. It's so funny looking. It's it's very strange. There will be pictures in, in the show notes. Click on the link for Yultron One. That brings me to one of my first real big questions. So. He's not really doesn't really call himself Ultron yet, but we're to assume that that this is one, and somewhere there's 
two through four because he just kind of pops up out of nowhere and says, I'm Ultron 5! Yeah, and that's who he is when he first appears in Avengers, but I'm pretty sure from other flashback things I've read that he does make himself, you know, he's like, he goes through a couple of versions before he gets to the one that's ready to attack the Avengers. Okay, cool. Because he All keeps right. changing numbers. You know, every time Ultron's right. he comes back as like another one, 12. Yeah, 13. I knew that later. I didn't know if, like when Ultron first appeared, if that was intended or if that was just, hey, five sounds cool. <laughs> that I'm not sure. Yeah. It also depends, I guess, on who wrote them. I mean, Steve Englehart did come back and write later Avengers runs, including West Coast Avengers. And I don't remember off the top of my head where all of these things came from. Yeah. Because a lot of my knowledge of stuff like this also comes from reading the Avengers Forever miniseries. Oh, okay. Which does a lot of, by Kurt Busiek and Carlos Pacheco, and it takes a lot of the Avengers history and kind of fixes things. It's like, okay, this doesn't make sense, so we're going to... This was a this was a lie. They were kidding you. You know, kind of. Sorry, go on. Oh, so so basically, anytime John Byrne takes over a book, <laughs> sometimes. This is what we're going to keep. This is what we're not. I guess Jeff Johns kind of does that for DC too. Yeah. Um. But but he at least, but at least in Avengers Forever, and I can't say they always. Some of the guys did this. Some of the other guys we just mentioned didn't do this. But in Avengers Forever, I know they kind of at least excuse explained away, as opposed to just saying eh, that was stupid. I don't care. <laughs> right. He kind of went, okay, this is how this happened, you know. Or oh, that yeah. guy lied to you. That was a false story. Don't worry about it. And that's why. There you but go. Because that's a collection of you know, kind of retelling of older stuff. I don't know if that was the Ultron wanted four, which I think comes from there, at least from my reading. I don't know if it came just from Kurt Busiek or from Kurt Busiek taking from older stories. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I've yet to I've I've restarted my Marvel reading uh, thanks to getting Marvel Unlimited. I've gone back and started in the '60s, so I'm filling in all my holes eventually. But it's going to be a while before I get to Ultron, I think. Yeah, right now I'm doing the FF run. I'm on the issue. I'm trying to do all. I want to do all the '60s issues first. So I'm doing FF in the '60s, so I'm up to issue 50. Nice. Oh, that's that's. I'm jealous of that. I want to read those. And that's Silver Surfer and all that stuff, right? Silver Surfer just finished. This is I, now the first two appearances of Black Panther. Oh, nice! Even better. Yeah. And that actually reminds me. So actually, after this week, I'm going to take a break from where I'm reading my Marvel stuff now, and I'm just going to go do. I want to read the uh, reread because I reread them. They came out originally. Christopher Priest run on Black Panther. Nice. Know, that's good stuff. I know a good portion of that. I mean, from what I saw in the commercials. I have a feeling like that's where half the movie comes from. So I might as well reread it before the, I see the movie. Yeah, that'd be cool. That's good stuff. They even show Hank Pym not wanting to go to the house. Right, even though Janet left some earrings there. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> I'm tired. I gotta go to the ass. I gotta get some aspirin. Time for bed. It's like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> and Yoltron's there. Our revar, father dear, when next we meet, I shall be the only one left alive. Except, yeah. I could have killed you, but I tried to kill you. It was better if you just leave the house. But now I regret my life decisions. <laughs> well, that was the Ultron 1. I guess the Ultron 5 is like, yeah. that was a bad choice. Right. <laughs> I did stupid things as a kid. Oh, didn't we all? Well, yeah. Uh. When you look back at your life, you're like, wow, what was wrong with me back then? <laughs> I was a jackass, wasn't I? Right. So, Yuldron, running through back alleys, finds the black... <laughs> I love that. This whole page cracks me up. 
<laughs> he finds the mad thinker. Well, and the line when he busts in the room is like, thinker, if you value your life, give me an android. <laughs> and the thinker's just, no. <laughs> I need him. I'm trying to kill the Fantastic Four. Bite me. Right. But then Ultron is so desperate, and he's like, oh, an, yeah, an old android. I'll take that. That sounds awesome. I don't care. <laughs> They're haggling. Yeah. Look, I want the new one really cheap. <laughs> the new stuff really cheap. But how about some of the old stuff? I'll take old stuff. Okay, okay, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah, like, that's all. Take all- human torch. Go for it. <laughs> Well, and yeah, and that, that pose of him in the alley was like he's kind of running. Like, I don't know. It's just this whole page is hilarious. And then he's like, I want a son. <laughs> and the panel before that, panel six, where all of a sudden the thinker goes from this goofy look on his face in the first two panels we see him to like almost like a heroic strong pose. Yeah, that's weird. And wh- but the line, he gave me the oddest look then as if he had just come down from his cloud and realized for the first time what I was. Did he not know you were a robot beforehand? I'm like, how would he know you were created by Hank Pip? Like, I don't know what he means there, but then the best part is, but he also gave me directions. <laughs> Here's the manual on the original Human Torch. I suggest you, uh, yeah. Read the warrants. <laughs> yeah, the warranty's expired, so can't help you there, but, um, but you know, it doesn't matter then if you screw around with the insides because you know you know what happens when you pop the hood. That stuff, you know, the warranty goes out the window once you open it up. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, yeah. this is hilarious. I'd, I'd have to wonder. I mean, either Steve Inglehart was really too into this, or he was having too much fun. I, I think both. I think both. I think he was just he was living living life up, <laughs> and just writing writing his little heart out. I lo- that's a line that would be in like Justice League International, the you know the funny run. You know, <laughs> he also gave me direction, so you know he was cool. <laughs> right, it's all good. <laughs> so Quasimodo, so we're back down with the flashback, but we're still back in time, and Quasimodo's begging to be his son. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I, I love that that uh, Ultron has the right motivation for wanting to be a father. He wants to be a dad for the right reason, so he can have. A life that's indebted to him and will give him service. <laughs> so basically, Voltron's master plan is vision, go mow the lawn now. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, that's why we all have kids is so we have someone to do our stuff for us, right? Yeah, that's the reason I'm thinking about that now. I'm like, damn it, this lawn sucks. <laughs> My dad had the right idea. Go mow the lawn. Right. Yeah, and this is the way he says it. There must be someone who owes me his life so that I may have a trustworthy servant. <laughs> and everyone who is a parent who read this went, sucker. <laughs> right, yeah. You moron. Oh, yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. Basically, then Vision turns around, you know, right when he's born and goes, Dad, you suck. <laughs> so he hypnotizes the, the, the computer to forget him. Does that work? Apparently Did so. Did he hypnotize the computer? Apparently so. I guess Quasimodo face has, I guess those eyes have like some kind of optic receiver. Uh, I don't know. Sure. All right. And then the, and because Quasimodo, I think, first appeared in a Silver Surfer issue, so that's probably where this takes place. Oh, okay. Is that why we get the random Silver Surfer plug? Yeah, and now it says FF Special 5, but I'm pretty sure at that point, 
the special was the name for the annuals, and for a while there, the annuals were all reprints. Oh, okay. That would be why, for instance, there's a lot of, like, if you're looking through, let's say, some of the, some of the annuals and the Marvel Unlimited won't be there because they're reprint. If you look them up, they're reprints. Okay. Gotcha. And I like how he says this, but that's another story, an FF special number five. And this <laughs> is Avengers 135. Right, <laughs> in case you forgot. <laughs> You know, there's been a lot happening. You may may have got lost on what issue you were on. <laughs> and then we jump back to the present. Yeah. In Vietnam. With with, with nary a segue in sight. <laughs> right to, it just says, meanwhile, uh, a certain... Meanwhile, right. <laughs> I'm like, wait, meanwhile in 1967 or meanwhile now? Which meanwhile is it? Oh, good question. Yeah. I'm assuming it's now since it's the celestial... You know, it is. Yeah, it's 75 and we're in the... But I feel like I'm in Spaceballs. When will Ben be now? <laughs> yeah, or a Smith song. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, you know, I, I wouldn't mind if the Charmed Ones showed up here. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, man. Um, so I was going to say, uh, we have this eternal garden or millennial. What is it called? Oh, they just call it a temple garden. It's called like the eternal garden or millennial garden or something. The issues before this have a really nice recap of Kree and Scroll history, and I was going to ask because I know you've read a lot more of the cosmic stuff than I have. There's these like sentient trees. Did Did Engelhart introduce these in this flashback, or is that was that pre-existing? I'm pretty sure Engelhart created them in the storyline. Okay, I think that's from the first time they appear. Okay. But it's funny, Mantis says the lone dead swordsman. He only died like a few issues before. Right? I mean, I didn't read them, but I know he died. No, yeah. It was like two issues before, I think. <laughs> She's like, look, I don't know. He was. <laughs> I really didn't care that much. Right. Dead a week, a month, a year, whatever. It's been a while. <laughs> I've forgotten already. Been a while. Yeah. Been a while. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, and Iron Man still has the nose inside, so I'm happy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he does. Mantis is back to call, talking about herself, calling herself this one. <sighs> that is uh, annoying. <laughs> this one, that one, this one. <laughs> Which one are you? Right. And of course, we get the uh, today we will see the coming of the celestial Madonna in a ray of light. But <laughs> oh, I'm just putting all these Madonna clips, aren't I? Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then we have Moondragon shows up. Yeah. Well, I was saying, we got a nice little uh, backstory for her in the issue before as well. So Engelhart was uh, doing all his setup. And this is a part, this is a strange thing for me from Moondragon. This is when people liked her. Well, I was going to say, is that, a, is that a piece of iron in Tony Stark's pocket? Or is he just happy to see Moondragon? I'm uh, probably happy to see her. Because he's like, same here and double, lady. <laughs> But I mean, later on, basically, Moondragon just everyone hates her, just because. Right. Quite frankly, for the longest time, Moondragon's default personality was just um, not just bitch. But how did Cartman put it in the South Park movie when he's talking about Kyle's mom? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> uh, Wait! Don't do it, Cartman. Wait! I'm warning you. Okay. Okay. I'm getting pretty sick of him calling my mom. Cause my bitch is a big fat bitch, she's the biggest bitch in the whole wide world. She's a stupid bitch, and everyone's a bitch, she's a bitch, who all the boys ain't care. <laughs> Something like that. 
something, yeah, something like that. <laughs> I mean, it really wasn't until, at least from what I read. Now, maybe reading some of this older this this era stuff, I'll see more of, more to her then. But for a long time, she was just kind of bitchy. That's funny. But then they said, uh, <laughs> "This is kind of a ham-fisted way to do a flashback." The swordsman <laughs> ghost. Perhaps you right. came because you were needed. This one, so he does this one thing too. This one has much to tell you, Priestess, but first of all, you must tell us all of how you came to be. Oh, yeah, this, this is where it is. Then we get the, the moon dragon story here. That's right. And a nice big full-page flash of Thanos. Uh, yeah, so I'm brief, but that's a pretty great pinup. Yeah. I mean, it looks a little, it's not exactly Thanos, but it's pretty close. Well, it's different clothes, but right? Yeah. I mean, he's got the, he's got the chin divots, so. Maybe it's because of that. He's purple. It's the first time Tusk is probably drawing him, I think. I don't think Tusk drew the original issue, so. Alright, so who is he, by the way? Who? Uh, Tuska. I'm not familiar with his art. Is he a regular Marvel guy, or? Oh, yeah. But, although, I'm going to okay. check, because I know he did draw a lot of Iron Man back then. Okay, cool. So, I don't remember if he drew the first appearance of Thanos or not. Let's see. Comic book. <laughs> If if he drew that, then it's the only other time I know he's drawn Thanos so far. Right, All right. Well, I looked at the asterisk and I, I thought to myself, I I want to read those issues. <laughs> well, I've read most of them. They're the Daredevil ones are weird. Are they? Oh okay. yeah. But it's uh, yeah, it's funny. Moon Dragon just shows up and Daredevil's living with the Black Widow. He basically brings Moon Dragon home <laughs> and says, so "I want her to stay with us too." <laughs> All right. I'm sure that up. went over well. Oh, yeah. And then they right. Up. Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> At the time, the big thing was about the fact that everyone loved Moondragon. It was really weird. Okay, here we go. Iron Man, Iron Man. Let's see. Ooh, down to 55. No. Oh, yeah. Duh. duh. Mike, Mike, Jim Sterling drew the first appearance of Thanos. Oh, yeah. That would make sense. But, <laughs> but George Tuska did draw... Issue 54 of Iron Man, which is the first okay. appearance of Madame McEvil, who will later be called Moondragon. Oh, okay. So he did draw her first appearance. There you go. And he does, he does good at Moondragon. I have no problem with that. Yeah. Like I said, maybe it's the, the, the outfit looks weird. Very Star trek Well, yeah. It's still pretty damn cool. Yeah. But yeah, so... Which is kind of fun, though, that she's telling them the, or the story about her and Thanos. About you know, I came to you because of Thanos, and it's like, yeah, most of us know this, <laughs> except for <Hawkeye laughs> and Libra. We were all there. <laughs> well, I didn't know, so I got to see her story for the first time. Oh, I, so. I got the Thanos part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because House of Avengers one twenty five, they're all there. The her origin, yeah, her origin. Yeah, if you read those other stories like Captain Marvel and stuff, yeah, it's fun because they do Drax the Destroyer's origin. Oh, nice. And then they do later on Moon Dragons. And they're done at several okay. times, but if you had read both series, you're like, well, wait, that's the same origin. <laughs> because that's her fa- that's her father. Oh, okay. Yeah, Drax, was, Drax the Destroyer is her father. Oh, interesting. Huh. So it's like they both have the same origin. Like, they're both in a car, and it's destroyed by Thanos because he's flying over and kills him. Okay. He thinks. Right. But yeah, Moondragon's taken by Mentor, and meanwhile, her father's her father was killed, but his soul was stopped by Mentor and put into like this body to be Drax the Destroyer. 
Oh, okay. Gotcha. So she lives on Titan, and she's a priestess, an athlete, and a geneticist. <laughs> well, you know, got the bases covered. <laughs> she's all good. She's like, look, I can do whatever I need to. I'll do mass, or, you know, I can, you know, be in the Olympics, or, you know, I'll just work at the lab and, you know, make pharmaceutical stuff. Whatever works. <laughs> and then they just kind of have a little face-off with her and Moondragon. I'm sorry, her and Mantis. Now, I haven't read the last few issues. I know you have. Because Mantis mm-hmm. says, that is in many respects identical to this, the tale of this one's earliest days. So, is that really close to Mantis's origin? Yes. Well, I mean, as far as being an orphan and having adoptive parents and not really knowing her background. So Mantis, uh, I mean, I guess eventually we find out there's more to her. But as far as this one goes, she was left in Vietnam and raised by these these monks or whatever uh, who end up who end up being the the Cree pacifist. But she was Elibra was her dad, supposedly who dropped her off at the at the temple to be raised. Okay, so at least there's that so, part. Yeah. Okay, because I was like looking, thinking, like, how is this going to be related? Like, your parents killed by aliens too and raised? <laughs> but at least there's that. So, okay, I can go with that. Yeah, just the idea that they were both raised to to be this almost like, I don't want to say holy person, but um, like the embodiment of the culture or whatever. The Fantastic Arts is your guide to the Fantastic Four from the beginning of the Marvel Age of Comics in 1961 onwards. Each week, Steve Lacey and Andy Leyland cover every issue, spin-off, guest appearance and cameo, and more. And in 2015, we begin our journey through the decade that tastes forgot, the 1970s. Join us as we take a look at... The departure of Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. The Kree Scroll War. The arrival of Marvel Team Up. Bill Murray as the Human Torch. Creators including Roy Thomas, George Perez, Marv Wolfman, Jerry Conway, Rich Buckler, and John Byrne. And of course, Marvel 2 in 1. All this and more at ffcast.libsyn.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. The Fantastic Cast. Insert catchy tagline here. Wait, what? Then we jump back to the yeah, and I'm curious now. It says because we're in the back in the past of the vision, and it says six months passed, and the spring of 1968 found Ultron Five still busily engaged with his acquisition. So did Vision actually just stand there and like watch six months in real time? I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> My God, That's I, why he looks so bored. <laughs> I know. I'd be like, okay, look, you're still working. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go catch a movie. Right. I, mean, I guess he doesn't need to eat or sleep. I mean, even I forget if he does or not. But I guess if it was a person, you still wouldn't need to eat or sleep. So I'd be like, right. Right, I'm gonna go to the movies. What's that play in the seventies? Right. I wonder if he can just power off for a few months. Look, this is boring. <laughs> can someone like, can, where's the fast forward button? You know, for a for a robot, Ultron's got a little bit of a bubble butt. Yeah, well, you know, a, that was <laughs> he's got some junk in the trunk. Yeah, that was a change from four to five. That was the big. <laughs> he rocked that booty. <laughs> but so he's having trouble fixing the vision. So he goes to find the original inventor, and I like how he snaps. 
<laughs> I, I was going to say that they may very well be my favorite part of the issue when Ultron has a good idea and snaps. And snaps with a snang. Because <laughs> he's metal. Right. Oh my gosh. That was, I, I was laughing pretty hard at that. And not like, a, oh, haha, that's funny. Like, I, I got a genuine guffaw when I read that. I wrote, I wrote in my notes that uh, Engelhart's Ultron is killing me in the best way. <laughs> and the, the next page, I'm trying to figure out this panel. Because I guess it's the third person, I forget how, how that's called. for. I think it's like third person narrator where they say you. you know, but it says that you know, the narration is saying the vision. Now you understand why the story of your origin had to begin with the Torch's origin. One man was common to both. Um, that and the fact that the Ultron is trying to make the Torch into Vision, so I would assume... Right, yeah. That's enough. <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> but we do find old man Phineas Hurton, who doesn't look old in this picture at all. I mean, his hair's gray, but he looks pretty, like, in good shape. Yeah. And he's got his nice mustache. Yeah, he looks in decent shape for a guy who's, you know, alcoholic. Like right, yeah. If only you could see my liver, bub. <laughs> <laughs> and he's watching the Avengers. I find that funny. Yes, I thought that was funny too. Little little meta textual uh, pop culture reference there. And I love how Ultron's yelling at him. Call to say whatever expertise <laughs> for, for androids remains in a luft in your gin-soaked brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knew Ultron was such a teetotaler? Ultron's <laughs> like having fun with. Oh my god, he's having so much fun with Ultron. Yes. Fix it now. Make it work. <laughs> And so, yeah, and actually, this is the thing that was one of the things in this origin that was uh, done in Avengers Forever, because if you read read John Byrne's um, run on Avengers West Coast, the human tor- original Human Torch comes back. Yes, and I think it was a Mortis had done it, I, but somebody basically kind of layered in like two timeline versions of the Human Torch. So Ultron took one, and the other stayed, which is why we have the Vision, but we also have the original Human Torch running around still. But Burns' idea was that Vision came from somewhere else, right? Didn't he try to retcon Vision? I think he was just created from parts. Right, okay, cool. He said he cool. was created from the actual Human Torch, just from spare parts. Gotcha. But that was just said, and I think I think the reason for doing that Avengers Forever was because this is actually shown. Right, like, it doesn't right. It looks like spare parts, it looks like the actual body, so let's find a way to make <laughs> the body work and still have the original no. Human Torch running yeah. around. Which is fine, because I like the original Human Torch. Yeah, Horton has to create because he gets a Gino chop to the back of the neck from Yoltron. <laughs> <laughs> I like the uh, Pinocchio reference. I was, I was going to say that uh, 1975 Ultron 5 would be so happy to learn that Disney bought Marvel. And then, of course, I also thought of the uh, the Pinocchio theme music that was used in Age of Ultron. I, I didn't realize it was such an old reference. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'd... Yeah. I didn't realize that too until I read this. But yeah, he even does the Pinocchio line in the movie. Remember? Yeah, there are right. No yeah. There are no strings are no... me. <laughs> but here we have another Pinocchio Ultron connection where he says, Now get to work, my decadent Geppetto. <laughs> Which I don't understand why he's decadent, but whatever. <laughs> he's drinking a lot. Get to work and give me a Pinocchio. So he's cre- recreating everything about him. Yeah, and that's why he, and he's saying apparently that's why Vision's body is red. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I, I, maybe a little bit of a stretch, but it was kind of cool. And we know Vision's birthday, birth month. He's a Virgo. 
Yeah, that was random. September. That was totally. Eventually, yeah. September 1968, and there's a little, yeah, the editor's note, author's note. Yep, he's a Virgo. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering that's Eaglehart's birthday is somewhere around there. Probably. So, okay. I mean, not 68, probably, no. but, you know, September. So I guess me and Vision have the same sign. Very cool. Does that mean my wife is going to destroy mutant kind? Crap. Ah, uh, well. And wait. No, oh, yeah, now we jump back to the present. Where they like Amortis too. It's yeah, he, he shows back up. It's like, wait, they're all happy to see Amortis. They're happy to see Moon Dragon. What's going on here? Yeah, so I I have a question, and I don't know if you know this or not. So, a few issues before this, Kang is trying to do his thing to kidnap the Celestial Madonna, and uh, you know, he meets uh, Raman Tut, which we remember from old old Avengers of Fantastic Four stories. That's the same guy, right? Yeah. And we get through this whole convoluted timeline. And we know, and there's a reference in this issue, that the Avengers seem to know that Immortus and Kang are eventually the same person. But when Immortus shows up, there's an editor's note that this is his first appearance since, like, Avengers 10 or 13 or whatever he was in. So had that been established? Like, when was that established that he was in the Kang lineage? That I can't say for certain because, yeah, okay. looking at at least in comic book DB, I'm looking at the chronological appearances of Immortus. Yeah, and we have Avengers number ten, Avengers number sixteen. Uh, sixteen, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, but but I don't know if he actually appeared or if he just was a. I think he, I think that was a cameo because I think that's because that's the issue where they all leave and it's Cap, it's just Cap. I uh, was it Cap Hawkeye Vision? No, sorry, Cap Hawkeye Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. And so of course you always had an appear. You know you had like the panel of like all the different villains saying, "Hmm, I wonder how I will defeat." <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that was just his appearance. But then yeah, his next appearance is Avengers 131. And they don't say anything about him. He interacts with Kang. But then, I don't know if it's this issue or if it's the one after this uh, giant size Avengers number four, but Hawkeye and one of the Avengers goes, well, we know Immortus and King are the same person. I'm like, whoa, whoa. The only thing I can think of is I did, so there's a, a story in the middle of this in giant size Avengers number three that's not on Marvel Unlimited, so maybe they said it then. Oh, it's not? Oh, that bites. Yeah, it's weird. And, and also... Like, why are there three giant size issues in, like, a six-issue span of Avengers? <laughs> well, the giant size books at the time were, um, what are they called? Uh, they were quarterly. Oh, okay. All right. So, and sometimes they'd be reprints, sometimes new, but if you, so, since Steve Englehart was using them to tell the stories, they were weaving in and out, because a lot of times they would just be the standalone. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, I was I was annoyed. I, I was one chapter short of being able to read this whole thing. <laughs> but And then we jump to the mansion. There's a lot of jumps here. Yeah, that's a whole lot of story in this issue. Apparently the Scarlet Witch going crazy goes back to here. Because she had attacked Moondragon the issue before. Right, it all starts when she starts training with Agatha Harkness. So she kind of, when she starts dabbling in quote-unquote real witchcraft as opposed to just her mutant power, that's when she starts starts coming unhinged. Uh, and then, so Jarvis breaks the door down. <laughs> right, because he heard a male voice, a, a malevolent male voice. So I love action, Jarvis. I do too. Uh, yeah. Did you catch 
Action Jarvis issue uh, when you did the event, the Inferno. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I I did. I didn't talk about it a whole lot, but yeah, it was fun read. I think that was the first issue of Avengers I bought. Oh, really? Nice. Because well, I was really what I was reading was all the X books, right? And Power Pack, but the three X the the, four, the X books. So because Inferno was on all of them, I was trying to get as many of the Inferno issues as I could find of everything. Right. That's how I branched out to other books, like some Spider-Man books and a few other things. That's cool. But yeah, so, so I mean, it worked on me, the crossover thing. But yeah, so I read those yeah. issues of Avengers, 298 to 300. Yeah, that's some good stuff. And one of the things about Avengers, especially really even from, from the 60s, I, well, I guess really forever, is just how in flux their lineup always is. Yeah, well, that's actually that story, that issue three hundred is actually one of the things that always made me want to read things like this, because I don't know what you how you read three hundred, whether it was like an original copy or the digital or what. Uh, it was original, actually. Okay. Yeah. So it had the uh, the little like Marvel oh hot move pages in the back. It had had a listing of like, yeah. every Avenger and all their issues. Yeah. That's what like blew my 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 like was eighty like, seven <laughs> right. Like my tw- 11, somewhere around there, yeah. My twelve-year-old mind is not just <laughs> okay. It's like, oh yeah, cool. Iron Man's and all these, and Caps and all these. But like, Hulk is in one, two, one hundred, and like, you know, wait, Black Widow's in like one eleven, and like one other one, and you have Mantis and Swordsman in like ten issues. I'm like, I want to know about these guys. Like, who are these weird guys who like join Rand- like Jacosta? Like, who are these guys who just went for like five issues and they're gone? Like, I- Hellcat. I want to see stuff with them. Yeah, that kind of stuff I loved as a kid. That and like anytime they diagrammed like headquarters or <laughs> I like, did like this is what Johnny Storm's apartment is made of. Um, and they show it. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, especially if you're in a Strange Tales. Mm-hmm. I think I think he can have a drinking game with how many times Stanley wrote Abestus in Strange Tales. But um, <laughs> that's called alcohol poisoning. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we've been watching a lot of Simpsons when we go to bed lately because they're they're showing them on FX pretty much all the time now at night. And um, the other day they had one where uh, Homer goes to the hospital and the doctor's like, "Well, that reminds me of the videotape of your first alcohol poisoning." <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, why'd you have to mention that old Simpsons? <laughs> now in my head, I have monorail playing. There you go. Yeah, or uh, Doctor Zayas, Doctor Zayas. <laughs> Can you get a scientist? We're going to get a scientist. Is it Batman? No. Batman's a scientist. <laughs> it's not Batman. Da-na-na-na-na-na-na leader. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's maybe pull ourselves out of the Simpsons rabbit hole before we go. Okay, so we're back, no, from, we're back from Simpsons cast. <laughs> yeah, back from uh, Springfield. Yeah. So Jarvis, action Jarvis breaks down the door, but there's no one in there. Just some candles. We will Which not find out what's going on in this issue, so don't worry about nope, it. Nope, not until the next one. Nope. nope. But it involves Dormammu. Oh, so it has nothing to do with the uh, <laughs> Celestial Madonna. No, no, no. no. Dormammu is the uh, Celestial... I'm sorry, the... Uh, mimo, I cannot say that word. Malevolent male voice is Dormammu. Ah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, thank God for the Doctor Strange movie. Now I know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> I, I've always kind of said it that way. What um, wasn't a Magneto Magneto thing? Because I grew up saying Magneto. Me too. I, I don't like Magneto. Yeah. Magneto bothers me. 
<laughs> it sounds too goofy. I like Magneto. Yeah. In my, I, I still say Magneto. I don't care. <laughs> I'm taking it back. There you go. But yeah, so back. So now we're done with Jarvis, and apparently we, I found out now that that story is the Scarlet Witch is not con- concluded next issue, or well, I mean the next because this story goes into Giant Size Four. Yeah, yeah, it goes into Giant Size Four. So, but we're back to the past where the Vision wakes up, but he is still the Human Torch. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Then Horton pulled a a double double cross on Ultron Five and. Didn't wipe his memory after all. I also enjoyed it because when he gets off the table, the way his cape is, it kind of looks like a a Spider-Man web pit. Yeah, you're right. Apparently the Visions, or Human Torch, is having a tantrum. And so, looks like Yiltron's running away. (laughs) He is, but then he turns around and shoots Professor Horton with some I-beams. Kills him. And Horton apologizes to Human Torch. And he dies. But at least he's, you know, he got some perspective. Right. And probably would have died soon from liver, liver disease anyway. So I, I have a, another another continuity question for you. Mm-hmm. So I guess I didn't know or realize that we were supposed to surmise that when Vision was created, he had the gem on his forehead? Yeah. Okay. I guess I always thought he got that, like, along the way somewhere, but... No, I'm pretty sure that was still on his head when he first appeared. Okay, cool. Human Torch finds and gets wants to get revenge on Yultron, and so they fight, beat the crap out of each other. Yeah. Until Yultron pulls out a gun. I don't know from where. <laughs> Yultron does not carry pockets. Well, that's why he gave that's why he gave himself the extra junk in the trunk. So he can actually store stuff in there. That's where he hides things. Yeah. He's Christopher Walken from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> so he pulls out a gun and a watch. Exactly. I know what time it is. Time to shoot your ass. <laughs> but I have to say now, besides being entertaining, this part made me sad. Because basically, up until when they bring him back, you know, up until when they bring back the original Human Torch, so this is how the Human Torch goes out. He right. fails to avenge the person who died saving him more or less basically because he gave him a new body but he kept right. life and he, he loses his soul like he loses his memories and everything and becomes right. somebody else i'm like that's kind of it's it's an okay idea like if if the body you know for me at least if the body had been fully dead like there was no bringing him back this was just a mindless version of the vision let's say i think i would be more okay with that than this because it's like they never did because even though vision now knows he was the human torch i don't think they ever did anything with that it's not like they, um, when he had a secret identity for a little while, I think it was like called Victor Shade, he didn't use the Jim Hammond name. No, uh-uh. Like, we never saw anything with, like, let's say him and Captain America and Namor. Right. Or anything like that. Or him exploring the old vision, vision towards his life. Like, nothing. Like, right, but in, but in fairness, though, in, in continuity, he doesn't know about that until right now. Oh, yeah, but I'm talking about since this point. Oh, so, so okay, all right. As far as I know, from this point on, <clears throat> that really was never done. It was just like, yeah, right. he's a human torch, now he's a vision. It's kind of a weird thing to do, because obviously Inglehart here is wanting to make a connection to the past. But to me, I, I think you're right, maybe a blank slate, because all the drama that comes, especially when Wonder Man comes back, 
between Wonder Man and Vision and Scarlet Witch and all that all that drama and you know who's who's you know soul is who and what whatnot is all really interesting so there's really not a whole lot of room to shoehorn human torch stuff in there. So why you know you always have to question why why make the connection at all. Yeah. Like at least if it was just the body but the human torch was dead. That's different to me than his right. brain being there, his brain being wiped, his soul being wiped away, basically. Right. But does that mean also then in this bizarre family tree, the Human Torch is kind of like the Vision's, I don't know, father slash uncle or brother or something? Because I mean, this bizarre family tree. Huh. Already, this bizarre family tree. I mean, think about it. You have Hank Pym, the uh-huh. Lisp, Ultron, <laughs> the Vision. You got Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Um, uh, Wonder Man. Wonder Man. Uh, what's his brother's name again? Oh, uh, 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 Reaper, right? Grim Reaper. Yeah. And I guess the Human Torch now. Right, and then of course Wanda's kids, right? Yeah, yeah, the two kids from, and I guess if it's family, then it also includes Quicksilver and possibly Magneto. Right, and of course nowadays you have Viv uh, from Vision's synthetic family. I mean, that's the part I like about that, if the Human Torch is part of it. You know, especially now since he's alive still. It's still, like... Can you, can you imagine that family reunion? That's gonna be weird. <laughs> oh, and Victor, whatever his name... Uh, Victor Machina, whatever... I forget his name. The, the kid from The Runaways. Oh, yeah! That's right. Yeah. Because he's alive again, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was for a little bit, anyway. Uh, it's in the first four issues of the current Runaway series. He's, his head's alive. Oh, okay, cool. I have not started that yet, so... I read the first four, although I was slightly disappointed, mostly because I was reading them for to see Julie Power. Ah. Because she's uh, dating, what's her name, Carolina. Oh, okay, cool. So I was like, okay, Power Pack's in it, I'll read it, but she hasn't shown up, <laughs> so I'm a little disappointed. Oh. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, so Yultron pulls the gun out of his butt, literally. We're going to go literally. <laughs> yeah. And then uses the Wonder Man brain patterns, which... Gotta wonder what was he? Do- what was Hank Pym doing with Wonder Man's brain patterns? I don't know. Like, it's a hobby of mine, right? Those brains. <laughs> he was probably stroking it. <laughs> this one's normal. This one's Abby something. Oh goodness gracious! And then he puts that in the Vision's head, and Vision wakes up, and we go to Avengers fifty-eight, fifty-seven, which is the first appearance of the Vision. Blah blah blah. Right. Meanwhile, Curtain Vision now goes back into the future, but he apparently the talking stick goes away. Yeah, it leaves him. Leaves him high and dry. Floating in the void. Yep. <laughs> so if anyone wants to read it, apparently it is on Marvel Unlimited. We're yes, it is. We're not going to be covering it. Giant Size Avengers number four continues the story. The Fate of the Vision, Nine Surprise Supervillains, and The Moment of the Madonna. So is this like the uh, Vogue tour? Is that what they're talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, strike a pose. <laughs> or maybe her you know, her red carpet appearance on for the premiere of Dick Tracy. Yeah, oh, there you go, there you go. The Papa Don't Preach. <laughs> Which is the only Madonna album I actually own, the Dick Tracy-inspired one. Oh, really? That's funny. Because I like the movie, and because it's all songs like... In that style, like that type of song. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. Yeah. That was crazy. 
a lot, a lot in this comic. And you kind of, I mean, if you want to know really any much about the story at all, you have to read us before or what's after it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to read them eventually. But I knew since I was doing it right now, sometimes it's fun to just read one. Just go, okay, let's see if yeah. what the hell's going on here. It's a challenge. There's <laughs> it's a very dense issue. Let's we'll see if there's any, any famous names in the letters. Um, no. No one I recognize. Sometimes you'll see, like, future comic creators writing in letters, but... Oh, yeah. I think even, like, early FF issues, uh, there's, like, letters from, like, George R. R. Martin. Oh, nice. Which is pretty cool. It's like, hey, we know who you are. <laughs> I think it was, like, an FF 20 or 30. He wrote a letter. He was writing about issue one, but it took him a while to finish that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I went there. <laughs> oh, okay, now I'm going to need a drink after that issue, though. I mean, it was fun. <laughs> it was a, yeah. Following it's... it, it's a little like, wait, what? Right. Well, you know, you got your cool Thanos pin up and um, with this little rocket ship. Pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew. <laughs> and, you know, the, you know the, the title, the torch is passed as it passes from, from torch to vision. Because so. it's torch, so there's a pun. Yep, an odd portmanteau. So any other thoughts on this? Um... Or not, if you don't have any more, I mean, we've already, not like we've only talked oh. five minutes on it. <laughs> right. No. no, not really. Um, I mean, overall, I, I don't know, did you enjoy it? It was entertaining enough. Right. I, th- I, might, I, might, have en- I might enjoy it more when I reread it and have read everything before. Because it might make, you know, might make more sense to me because I'm like, okay, well, this is continuing all the stuff I've been reading. As opposed to diving right. into one issue going, wait, what? Okay, wait, okay, so he's in the past. Okay, I got that now. Okay, we're going to go back in the past. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that was pretty good. I thought the overall story is really weird how, you know, because I, I, I told you when you first asked me uh, to come on that I never read these issues, and, you know, you mentioned it was a Celestial Madonna storyline. And I always kind of heard people talk about that a lot, so I kind of thought it was like this big story. And it's really kind of only half of this story and it's really not that big of a deal. <laughs> so it was, it was kind of a, a little shocker on how, you know, there's this, this Mantis story, this vision story and the Celestial Madonna is kind of this theme in the background. There's, I mean, there's a payoff kind of at the end, but it doesn't really seem to affect that much. It was just, I don't know. It was a very strange. No, I mean, it's still the way they did things. Cause I think that, you know, back then they still had to be more concerned with the month to month. You know, have right. story. You know, I mean, think about the uh, X Men Dark Phoenix. Yeah, we we think of Dark Phoenix as what has been in the trade since issue one twenty nine to one twenty seven. <laughs> but really, I mean, really, Dark Phoenix really wasn't a major thing until like the last two or three issues of that. Right, right. And those are just the ones where you see the most effect of the Phoenix on her. But I mean, right. been going on in background since like she first appeared as Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. It'd be like it's almost like every issue from 101 on that Jean Grey's in. <laughs> so like that's this is kind of the style of how they wrote it back then, I guess. It's just like you know we have to kind of right. put a little bit here each month, but we have to focus on <laughs> whatever goofiness we're gonna have him fight this month. Right. 
Well, uh, yeah, it's just it's, the ending is a little unsatisfying. But I'll let you. I'll let you read it. I won't spoil it for you. I enjoyed the torch vision story. Ultron was cracking me up. To me, that was his little kind of cheesy, funny moments were the highlight of the issue for sure. Yeah, Ultron is the highlight here. Ultron is great. Ultron is a nut job. And now, oh yeah, I wonder, I wonder how much it would cost me to get um, James Woods to read the lines from this this issue. <laughs> I don't know. Especially the part where he's yelling at the professor about your gin-soaked brain, you drunk. Just right. make me a Pinocchio. <laughs> That'd be funny. I mean, that's uh, that's what I want to see. That's what I want. <laughs> That'd be pretty great. Pretty great. That would be awesome. Now we're up to the friends and enemies section of the book. And we're not in the book. Now we're up to the friends and enemies section of the show. <laughs> And in case you've decided to just start listening this episode, maybe because Jason's here, so that that would actually explain something. (laughs) That would make sense. Yeah, logical reason, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, folks, maybe you listen. You listen to your show, like, oh, he's done something else. I'll listen to that. Yeah. There you go. So, for you who are new, the friends and enemies section, we talk about the other books that had the same cover date as this issue, which was May 1975. In which Adam or Thanos have already appeared in before. So it's only the ones we've already discussed in the show so far. We're just kind of popping in, seeing where they are this this month. And starting off, we have Captain Marvel, number 38. No Way Out by Steve Englehart, Al Milgram, and Klaus Janssen. Marvel faces execution by bigoted blueskin Kree as the link with Rick Jones evolves further. I sent you the cover for that one. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting cover. Um... Well, so interesting. What was it in your summary? This all over the cover is the trial of the Watcher, <laughs> but um, and the secret of the Lunatic Legion, and some nice uh, alliteration there. But yeah, and I mean, you see Captain Marvel uh, fighting. I guess those are the blue skin guys on the cover. They're kind of bluish. Yeah, it was good. I like all the yellow. It's a it's an eye catching cover. Next up, we have Daredevil number 121, Foggy Nelson, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., by Tony Isabella, Bob Brown, and Vince Coletta. Hydra crashes Foggy's New Year's party because Nick Fury wants to invite him to join S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> Which is just like, what? All right. I don't know about that issue, but this cover is awesome. Bronze Age Daredevil is not always considered the greatest. Right. But I know at least some of the covers have been like I like the look of the Daredevil and the Black Widow issues. Yeah, I like that, and that that's a really cool Hydra logo, and the little flames in the background. It's a it's a, it's a nice cover. Yeah, that is a pretty cool logo. And we also have Fantastic Four one fifty eight Invasion from the Fifth Counting Fifth Dimension. <laughs> By Roy, by Roy Thomas, Rich Buckler, and Joe Sinnott. And this issue has the return of Zemo and the Fifth Dimension from Strange Tales, number 103. Mm. And for more on this insanity, go listen to Fantastic Ass episode 202, because they talk about that. Oh, nice. I'm sure they're not happy, though, because it's the return of stuff from Strange Tales. Yeah, yeah. Another another decent cover, though. So when was, was uh, Quicksilver and... 
Medusa part of the team at this point? Well, at the point Medusa was still, I think Medusa quits in an issue or two, or leaves, not quits, but leaves. But this okay. is the time when Medusa was a member of the team. So she's there, and of course, the Inhuman, I mean, the Inhumans always first appear in the Fantastic Four. And right, Crystal, right, right. This Crystal, Crystal and Quicksilver are already married at this point. Oh, okay. All right, so that's why he's around. He gotcha. shows up a lot because, you know, Johnny still is a thing for her, and he's the other guy's married to her, so. Right. Conflict. There you go. The Human Torch. Night, number five, The Return of the Wizard by Stan Lee, Larry Lieber, Dick Ayers, and Jack Kirby. And this is a reprint book. It reprints uh, stories from Human Torch number 38, the original run from the 40s, and Strange Tales number 105 featuring the Johnny Storm Human Torch. So oh. not so good series. Okay, so I was going to ask, because I thought maybe that... You know, since in Strange Tales, the Human Torch fought the wizard a lot, that maybe they were trying to like use the same bad guys. So, is the wizard from the old old story, or is he only in the the Johnny Storm story? As far as I know, only in the Johnny Storm. Okay. So I'm assuming, based on looking at the cover, that the wizard story with Johnny Storm is like the first one, and then the backup huh. is the original Human Torch. Okay. Because this is just a reprint book. Right. Okay. But since we have covered Human Torch issues on the show before, it's included in here. Yeah, sounds good. He's got a he's got a red rocket coming at him. My my dog yeah. knows about that. <laughs> red rocket, red rocket. <laughs> and odds are, if you read this issue, just probably want to skip to the second half and read the story about the original Human Torch. Because right, right. Strange Tales stories are meh. They're pretty are, rough. Yeah, yeah. They were not the best of Silver Age Marvel. <laughs> No, not even a little bit. No. I'm sure, I know the Fantastic Cast covered what, episode 105 somewhere. Maybe I'll put in the show notes. I mean, sorry, Strange Tales 105 somewhere. I'll put in the show notes, but it was painful for them. <laughs> now, they didn't, I'm I'm kind of going through, I'm going to catch up with them as I read. Did they, um, uh, I guess it doesn't matter. I was going to ask if they did they do Strange Tales like separately or just lump that in like after they covered an issue of Fantastic Four. It's been a while since I listened to those early ones. I want to say they kind of did them together in the same episode. That's good. That at least gives them a break. Especially because I don't think they wanted to uh, <laughs> devote a whole episode to Strange right. Tales. Drive listeners away. <laughs> Drive themselves away. Right. True. True. There's nothing worse than when a podcast feels like homework. Yeah. That's when you know you're in for a rough episode. Yeah, and if it feels like that's too long, then maybe you're doing the wrong podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, so next up, we have The Incredible Hulk, number 187. There's a Gremlin oh. in the Works by Len Wein, Herb Trimp, and Joe Satan. There's a Gremlin yeah. in the Works, and he's complicating a covert mission by General Ross and S.H.I.E.L.D. to find the missing Major Talbot behind the Iron Curtain. So this is right after, well, not right after, I guess it was monthly, about half a year after Wolverine's first appearance in 181. That's true, yeah, because it's yeah. 187, so. And I always like to look at the gremlin, this little pink yeah. monster-looking guy. <laughs> now, he was in, like, a really, really early issue of Hulk, right? I, and wasn't he one of the first bad guys, or was that the Goblin? I want to say you're right. He's, like, somewhere in the first six issues. All right, cool. It was one of the more entertaining stories of the original Little Hulk thing. You notice how his face kind of looks like Quasimodo's did. True. Oh, maybe it's his consciousness. Maybe they're cousins. <laughs> right? Like, uh, uh, 
Oh, crap. The the one from Captain America who has a TV camera for a head and uh, a face for a belly. Artem Zola. Um, yes, yes, yes. The one who's in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe they're all family. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> I just like the no. fact that he's this little pink guy. Like, it's not pink's not usually used, especially not for bad guys. Right, right. And also, I like the idea. I think he's bald, but I like the way the shadow makes him look like he has a horseshoe. <laughs> like an old assistant principal or something. I think that's really fun. Oh, like Strickland from Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Or Lobot from uh, Empire Strikes Back. There you go. There you go. Oh, he's kind of like a cross between Lobot and an Ugnot. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't want to know what Lobot got to uh, up to on his own. <laughs> oh, man, that might uh, might be a pretty scandalous news story these days. So let's see. What pairings have we got to this episode so far? We got Hank Pym and Dragon Man <laughs> and Lobot and, Ug- and an Ugnot. Right. Yeah. They won't pretend he was faithful to one Ugnot. <laughs> we don't want to cast too much aspersion on him. No. Yeah. Well, let's get to, let's get to something less dirty. Iron Man. Ah, oh, crap. I'm sure I can't there. promise. <laughs> sure. I make no promises. Um, Iron Man number seventy-four, The Modoc Machine, by Mike Friedrich, Arville Jones, Keith Pollard, and Dick Ayers. Iron Man takes some time off from the Avengers when he is forced to attack AIM headquarters, and MODOK has been offered the chance to battle for the Golden Globe by the Black Llama. Ooh, MODOK's up for a Golden Globe? Cool. What was he in? Wow. I don't know. Maybe, uh, I don't know. But something fun, I'm sure. With that so, armor and thing, I can see MODOK doing a guest turn in The Good Wife. Maybe that's what he was in. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Uh, Modoc versus the Thinker, and Shellhead is caught in the middle. So that sounds thrilling. <laughs> and there's that nose still. Yeah, man, he was rocking that iron nose for most of the seventies. It looks like. I I love the fact that someone thought that's a good idea. Let's get my nose. <laughs> I mean, what's next? You know, um, nipples. Wow. <laughs> He kind of had some for a while, didn't he? He had those little uh, nuts and bolts on his chest that looked like nipples. True, he does. I mean, what's next, an ass crack? There you go. That's what we need. Just like Ultron, get some junk in the trunk. Exactly. It all comes back no matter what we do. <laughs> That's the uh, the price you pay for having me on the show, unfortunately. Um, it all comes back to robot asses. That's right. Yep. And finally, we have Thor, number 235. Who lurks beyond the labyrinth? by Jerry Conway, John Buscema, and Joe Sinnott. The Absorbing Man is looking to take the fight to Thor, and when he absorbs the power of Molnir, he might have enough might to do so. Plus, Hercules and Sif prepare for this threat that is Camothorn. Okay. So this cover is okay. I, the idea of the Absorbing Man uh, absorbing Molnir is a lot more interesting to me than what's on the cover. You mean like the Libra knockoff he's fighting? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, that's funny. He does look a lot. I mean, Libra was blindfolded and had, like, what, these blue robes? Yeah. So, and blonde hair. So, red hair, blindfolded, green robes. Yeah, he does have a little lion staff, whatever that's for. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about Kamotharn. I don't either. I don't think he comes back. At least not very often. Mm. <laughs> I, I've never heard yeah. of him either. Yeah, sometimes you, your villains just, uh... Don't quite catch the attention. No, he's no absorbing man, who I like a lot. 
Me too. Me too. And I like him with, the, his, with his wife, with Thundra. No, no, it's yeah. Tana, sorry. Yeah, right, right, after uh, Secret Wars. Yeah, they're just so much fun together. <laughs> they're like, look, we just, we're villains, we like to rob things, you know, we're not out to kill everybody, we just want to rob stuff and take things, and, you know, if we want to beat you up, what? You know, like they never go to like nowadays. Like they're never looking to like, kill Thor. They just like want to <laughs> beat him up, show who's tough. You know, real some stuff, live the good life for a while. Right. Yeah. Go back to the bad and watch some TV. I guess Netflix now, right? Yeah. I mean, both of them when they took on the Thors, uh, both of the Absorbing Man when Eric Masterson became Thor and Titana when um, Jane became Thor, both of them like took it easy on them and basically gave them a pass for like being brand new. They're like, you're new. Well, <laughs> It's cool. Don't worry about it. Go go practice for a while. We'll come back. We'll fight later. It's all cool. That's funny. It's like, I like them as villains. <laughs> they're just they're just fun. I don't want them to be good guys. I don't want them to be anything more than they are. I just don't. But I want them to be like Sabretooth. Right. You know, don't right. make them psychotic murderers. <laughs> you know, they're not out for that. They just want to make a buck. There you go. Beginning in 2018, the Who's Who podcast enters the 1990s with our coverage of the Loose Leaf Editions. Featuring Superman by Jerry Ordway. The Joker by Brian Bolland. Wonder Woman by George Perez. Sandman by Mike Dringenberg. Batman by Norm Brayfogle. The JLI by Adam Hughes. Eclipso by Bart Sears. The Legion of Superheroes by Keith Giffen. Dark Stars by Travis Charest. Lobo by Simon Bisley. Kent Shakespeare by Chris Sprouse? Who is that? Doomsday by Tom Grummet. Wait, are we covering these by issue or in alphabetical order? The Justice Society of America by Mike Parabek. The Forever People again? You are f***ing kidding me. Doom Patrol by Richard Case. <sighs> I'm so confused. And many more. The Who's Who podcast, going boldly into the 90s. A proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I guess. Time for some feedback. And while we don't actually have any emails or anything from anybody, which you really should do, at resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com, we do have people who liked or retweeted the show on social media, and that's awesome, and they deserve recognition. So here we go. Last episode, episode 72, Death Ship, was liked on Facebook by Joe Sedano, Roger Castle III, Charles K. Daly, Todd Wyatt, Jason Venable, you know, my guest this episode, Paul Spataro, Mike Peacock, Michael Allen Carlisle, and Michael Lane. It was also shared by GeekPod. On Twitter, the post about that episode was liked by Rolled Spine Podcasts, James Hudson, Trekker Talk, Dan O, Ryan Daly, and Out of the Fridge. It was also retweeted by Rolled Spine Podcasts, Trucker Talk, Ryan Daly, Out of the Fridge, and John M. with a comic reading problem. Thanks, everyone. And if you want to do similar things, you can like our posts and share them on Facebook. Just look up, well, basically, I don't know, Adam Warlock, Thanos, Resurrections, in the little search box, search box on Facebook. It'll pop up. Also, follow us on Twitter, at AdamThanosPod. And also, don't forget the show's original homepage on Tumblr, resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com. And finally, I would be very remiss if I forgot to mention my other show, Pop Culture Palace Presents, hosted on the website, The Pop Culture Palace, at thepopculturepalace.com. On the most recent episode, which I put up a few days ago, I did part one of an epic discussion with John Wilson, you know who that is, 
Brian Zeno, you know who that is, and W. Blaine Dowler. You may or may not know who that is, but you've heard his voice on here before. He's the host of the unofficial 75 Greatest Marvel Comics Countdown podcast. So you've heard the promo here, and I've been on several episodes, so you should have at least listened to those, because, please? Anyway, we had a big discussion about the different ages of comics. You know, Golden Age, Silver Age, Bronze Age. This episode, which is part one of this whole discussion, we first talk about and discuss what we feel makes an age in comics, and we also talk about what came before the Golden Age. So go give that a listen. This show can now be found on Stitcher. In case you don't know what Stitcher is, Stitcher is Radio On Demand, a free app that lets you listen to all your favorite shows, plus discovered from 20,000 others. Available on iOS, Android, Nook, and iPad. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at stitcher.com or in the App Store. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. So I'd like to thank Jason for being on again. Man, thank you, Al, so much. It was a lot of fun. Yes, this was a good time. Sorry to make you jump down that rabbit hole of uh, Bronze Age Avengers for a while, it looks like. <laughs> That's okay. I'll, I'll just save it when I catch back up to it in my uh, my complete Marvel read-through. Yes. So, or at least, at least as complete as Marvel Unlimited will let it be. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You need to get more stuff up there. Yeah, definitely. All right, and uh, let's do some plugs. So, Jason, okay. if anyone's like, ooh, I like that guy, where could I find more of him? Yeah, well, you're weird, but if you do like it, <laughs> then um, <laughs> I, have a, I have a podcast all about Wolverine called The Podcast That Goes Snicked. Um, probably the easiest way to get it is on Twitter, at SnickCast. Uh, there's also a Facebook page that a couple of guys have started being a little more active on uh, for the podcast that goes Nick, so you can like that. Cool. Talk with people. Everyone's kind of talking about the uh, the Logan Oscar nomination right now. Yeah, so, I saw that. That's pretty but, awesome. Yeah, fun little conversation and very well deserved. Um, but so we do mostly re- lately uh, recent issues, but. Um, you know, we're going to give back. I've, I've made a commitment in 2018 to ramp up the flashback issues again after some unintentional time off from them. <laughs> so just kind of scheduling snafus and stuff like that. But we'll get back, get back on course with that. And um, yeah. yeah, well, that, and just watch. Sorry, go on. No, I was just saying, just lots of Wolverine and X Men stuff, and and my sense of humor. So if you if you enjoy my sense of humor, I think you'll like the show. If not, then you know. You can always just get Wolverine info. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and the last thing I like about it is, like I said, since I'm not caught up on X-Men stuff, I'm listening just to flashback ones, but you have all those, and there's a lot of them still. So yes. if you're not even caught yeah. up yet, you can still listen to the older the episodes on the older stuff and worry about the new up, new stuff later. Yeah, exactly. So it's great. All right, well, thank you again for being on, and we'll be back in a few weeks. Um, I believe, and I th- unless something goes wrong, we'll be back with John with Strange Tales number 180, unless I screw something up. Nice. What's that one about? Uh, Adam, what's 180? That's the... Oh, uh, sorry. Put you on the spot. <laughs> no, I was going to say the death ship, but that's the episode I put up already. Uh, okay. That's Adam Warlock on trial and the first appearance of Gamora. Oh, nice. That, that should be a good one. Yes. Yes, so we get some cool stuff going on there. Awesome. So we'll see everyone soon. Bye. Bye.
Resurrections, and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast is a fan-made production, and no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peaceloveproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page. Been a been a while since we've talked on the podcast. Oh, oh man, I'm I'm off to a great start, aren't I? <laughs> Let me just fumble right over those words. Anyway, I'm glad I'm glad to be here. So thanks for having me. That's what editing's, <laughs> that's what editing's for. That's right. Especially when you say that's what editing's for, and you don't ever edit it. <laughs> or you edit it, just stick it in stick it in the outtake show a year or two later. There you go. There's there you an go. Edited version of that. <laughs> <laughs> or at the end of the episode, I'm not sure which yet. Right, Somewhere right. Somewhere right. you're gonna go, son of a bitch. Right, he got me. <laughs>